Welcome to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rockin' good time in about 15 minutes with your buddies Tim, Treg, and Dave. We're three old guys that are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktail Hour, we bring you our favorite stories behind the greatest rock and roll tunes of all times and other interesting musings about the music and the rockers who've inspired us over the years. Today, Dave is going to bring us the story behind Say Hello to Heaven by Chris Cornell. All right. Thanks, Tim. And just one little point of clarification. Uh, Chris Cornell wrote the song. He's obviously the singer of it, but it was it's technically by Temple of the Dog. So do you guys know who Temple of the Dog is? Yeah, they were awesome. Okay. Do you know who Temple of the Dog is, Tim? Nope. After your time when you were in music? <laughs> so for me... Post, post-1989. Post, <laughs> yeah. it, it is immediately post-1989. Yep. So yeah, I mean... You know, I grew up, you know, most of my youth wishing that I had been born in like 1955 so I could have been there for the heyday of the advent of what I'd call like modern rock and roll. And, um, but this is one that I would kind of associate with if I had to think about current music when I grew up that attached itself to some of my memories, uh, my wife included, by the way, which I'll talk about here in a second. Um, the whole kind of grunge thing, especially Soundgarden, especially Nirvana, and especially Pearl Jam kind of was a little bit of the soundtrack of kind of my coming of age um, back when I was playing in a lot of bands, too. So um, I have a, I feel like I have a musical tie to this era. And, you know, really quick as a, as a fast aside, I, we all owe grunge and in particular, probably Nirvana, most of anybody, a very huge debt of gratitude because they were the ones that have put the official bullet in the head <laughs> of hair bands yeah. of the 80s white snake thank died he- oh come on now. sorry trick <laughs> i was gonna say thank heavens that they killed everybody but white snake <laughs> they killed white snake too uh, so back in november of 2016 i'm sitting there one evening with my wife and i get this text from a good friend of mine and he says hey by the way there is a 25 year reunion tour of temple of the dog coming on do you want to go? I've got extra tickets. And I said, absolutely. Heck yeah. And my wife, um, who came with me and my buddy and his wife, uh, she more than me even attaches this type of music to her childhood. So she loves it. And, um, so we went and saw Temple of the Dog. And so what Temple of the Dog is, and I, and by the way, I wouldn't, some people I would like make fun of if you don't know who certain bands are and you call yourself a rock fan, Temple of the Dog, <laughs> I wouldn't put in that category because they released one album, and I'll tell you a little bit about the history of the band. Um, but it was really done as a tribute to this guy named Andy Wood. So have you guys heard of Mother Love Bone? Yeah. Okay. Precursor for uh, Pearl Jam. Precursor for Pearl Jam, yeah. right? So Mike, the same members, yep. Yeah, Mike Great McCready. Um, who was it? Mike McCready, Stone, Stone Gossard, and uh, Jeff Ament. These are all the guys that were the musicians for Pearl Jam that you know blew up and went supernova. And... Uh, they were playing in a band called Mother Love Bone, and Mother Love Bone was fronted by this guy named Andrew Wood. Now, Andrew Wood was the very good friend and roommate of Chris Cornell at the time. And so this, you know, the Mother Love Bone era predated Pearl Jam. It predated Soundgarden. It predated Nirvana, I'm pretty sure, and uh, was kind of maybe one of the early forerunners of the whole grunge movement. Well, this Andrew Wood was a little bit of a tortured soul in a, in a lot of regards. So he died of a heroin overdose, I think it was sometime in like April of 1990. 
And so the story went that Soundgarden was out on tour, and then they came back for a brief hiatus, and then they were going back to Europe to continue touring. And the day that Chris Cornell, who, by the way, had literally just formed Soundgarden, they were kind of in their infancy, uh, they came back from a tour back to Seattle, and that was the day that Andrew Wood, Chris's really good friend, died of a heroin overdose. So Chris Cornell was immensely distraught over this and immediately had to leave to Europe where he continued their tour. His Soundgarden was starting to gain some traction. And he said that experience was awful, uh, just having to be there. So here's a quick quote from Chris Cornell. He says this, Right after Andy died, we, Soundgarden, went to Europe and it was horrible because I couldn't talk about it and there was no one who had loved him around. I wrote two songs, Reach Down and Say Hello to Heaven. That was pretty much how I dealt with it. When we came back, I recorded them right away. They seemed different from what Soundgarden naturally does and they seemed to fit together. They seemed like music he would like. I got the idea to release them as a single and to get at least Stone and Jeff, the guys from Mother Love Bone, who later joined Pearl Jam, to get at least Stone and Jeff or all of Love Bone to play on it. I had the idea for a couple days, and then with an artist's lack of self-confidence, I decided it was a stupid idea. <laughs> Which is super interesting, by the way, because I don't know. I mean, I don't know how deep you guys understand Chris Cornell, but he was, in terms of vocal gifts, which we'll talk about in, in a little bit later, he was one of the top guys in all of rock history in terms of his Agreed. vocal prowess. Yeah, he's amazing. Whether you might like his style or not, or if you like his style of music, that can be debated. But his his like his physical talents behind a microphone are are almost unmatched by any singer you could say. And I'll give you some stats behind that in a little bit. Um, so anyway, he was amazing. So it's interesting that you have these immensely talented guys, which, by the way, it's interesting that they were all clustered together in Seattle at the same point in time. It's like, what are the odds of all this? It's like the Beatles coming together in Liverpool back in the day. Um, so they're all kind of clustered together in these different bands. And he's having, you know, Chris is having these, you know, what he calls this artist's lack of self-confidence, which for as talented as a guy he is, it's interesting that guys have that. But I mean, every artist probably suffers from that to some degree. So anyway, he goes on and he says, Stone and Jeff, our drummer, Matt, had been working on a demo for what ended up being Pearl Jam. So we had the idea that we would make an EP or a record and maybe maybe even do some of Andy's solo songs. So what they ended up doing is they cut this album called Temple of the Dog. Well, I think it's a self-titled album, but the name of the band was Temple of the Dog. And it was intended only to be a very short-lived thing. We're going to cut one album. It's going to be a tribute to Andy. We're in and we're out. So it was the... Founding Musicians with Pearl Jam, along with Chris Cornell. The lead song on it is Say Hello to Heaven, which is, as we just heard, is what he wrote, what Chris wrote when they went to Europe on tour. And really what Say Hello to Heaven is, as I see it, is it's kind of like the grunge era's version of Knocking on Heaven's Door. Hmm. Right? And if you listen to the lyrics, which we'll talk about... It's kind of like that. What Chris was doing is he was effectively eulogizing his very good friend in song. And that's what this whole thing is about. Hence the name and the, the theme of the song, Say Hello to Heaven. So back to when I got to see Temple of the Dog live in concert back in uh, November of 2016. This was at the LA Forum. Uh, they opened with this song. And oh, man, as soon as that first opening guitar riff hit, the whole place just went absolutely electric. It was so good. We'll talk about in a second about Chris Cornell's vocal prowess as it relates specifically to this song. But the lyrics, by the way, are great. And he's really paying tribute to 
uh, his friend, and you can feel the inner struggle and pain that Cornell has as he wrote the song. So in one of the first verses, he says this. He says, he came from an island, then he died from the street, which, by the way, Andy Wood was born on Bainbridge Island in Washington. So he says, he came from an island, then he died from the street, and he hurt so bad like a soul breaking, but he never said nothing to me. And what what he meant by that, as I interpret it, is that he never had he never articulated the pain that he was feeling. Um, obviously, his drug use was a symptom of inner struggles and spiritual challenges that he was having, and that was never articulated to his good friend Chris Cornell. And then he also never got to say goodbye to his friend. Uh, so he continues on um, later in the song, and he says. And this is kind of like the gut punch, if you will, um, at the end. And he says, I never wanted to write these words down for you with the pages of phrases of things we'll never do. And so he's just, you know, expressing his disbelief that his good friend had died. And then at the end, uh, the song reaches his climax. And it says, since you can't say to me now how the dog broke your bone, there's just one thing left to be said. Say hello to heaven. That's fantastic. Isn't that a great one? And it's especially poignant in, in light of the fact that Chris passed away, which we'll talk about uh, earlier this year. And yes, just great lyrics and a great song and a great ode to his friend. And so I'll tell you this. If you listen to Chris Cornell, so he had, as I said, like a, a vocal capacity that was unmatched. I mean, I read one article that said only maybe of his era, Whitney Houston was the only one that could maybe even come close, <laughs> wow. which I don't know if you'd ever want to compare Whitney Houston to Chris Cornell. <laughs> but Chris Cornell had a four octave full vocal range. Wow. Right. Not including his falsetto, as I understand it. So four octaves for a guy, that's unheard of. I don't know if Plant had that. Wow. It'd be interesting to Google that. What about Ann Wilson? She's got pipes. She has pipes. I don't, and she can probably sing low too. Oh, she's probably got four octave range. She may. Yeah, I think Mariah Carey is in that range. Hmm. But in terms of male singers, I don't know anyone other than Chris Cornell that that has that. Yeah. And so the interesting thing about this is that at the end of "Say Hello to Heaven," he starts going kind of off on the refrain, say hello to heaven, say hello to heaven. And he's singing the refrain over and over again. And he hits a high G. So just to give you guys like a little bit of musical reference on that, you know, I'm, I'm, I sing of necessity. I fancy myself a guitar player before a singer significantly. So, and my vocal range comfortably is two octaves and I can sing from a low E up to a high E. I'm like kind of like a strict baritone. So my range kind of sucks anyway. But I can sing up to a high E. Chris Cornell can sing an E above that. And then he hits a G above that. <laughs> right? So he's got like just an absolutely ridiculous range. And at the end of Say Hello to Heaven, when he's going through this refrain, refrain singing Say Hello to Heaven over and over again, he hits the highest note that he ever recorded during his entire recording wow. career. So, um, you know, we'll take a listen to that. And it's really interesting to just hear how powerfully he does it. He doesn't hit it kind of softly. I mean, he like punches you in the face as he's singing it. And what's cool about Cornell, which is unique amongst, in my opinion, the great singers, is he has that very unique ability, one, to physically get have that range, two, have a, a quality to his voice that's really singular. I mean, you could hear a song that you've never heard before sung by Chris Cornell and you'd be like, oh, that's Chris Cornell. 
Um, but then three, he is able to deliver his emotion through his voice in a really singular way. He's one of so, the best at that, for sure. Right? Yeah. And as you heard the lyrics, you can feel the pain that he was you know, trying to articulate about the death of his, his good friend. And the way that that comes through in the emotion of his voice in the song is just immensely powerful. Uh, so anyway, just a, a really powerful and strong song. Um, and then he went on, by the way, for the rest of the concert, and they played, I think, most of the songs off Temple of the Dog, including Hunger Strike, which, if you guys don't know what that that's is off the top one. of your head, oh, okay, yeah. that's that's the one that Eddie Vedder um, guest, did some guest vocals on with Chris Cornell, and they're both doing this duet on Hunger Strike that's amazing, and that's the one that got most of the airplay and most of the radio play from uh, the Temple of the Dog album. Um, and by the way, this was all done before Pearl Jam was even really a thing. Like Eddie Vedder came and did some guest vocals on that. And it was all before anyone even knew who Eddie Vedder was. Yeah. And right? the Pearl Jam guys were saying, wow, our guy's, our guy's pretty good. Yes. <laughs> Do you know how they found Eddie Vedder, by the way? Um, I'm trying to remember. I know we told this story. Oh, did we in a previous Rock Tale? Yeah. The, the X Factor. <laughs> David Hasselhoff found him, yes, back in the Knight Rider days. There you go. Yeah, I remember he was living in San Diego, and he was surfing, and somebody, he sent a demo to Jeff and Stone, I think. Yep. And, that's it. Yeah. But I don't remember the whole story. Yeah, and I, and I can't, and that's the, that was the, the nutshell of the story that I was going to tell, and I think, I can't remember if they had sent him, like, some kind of a demo tape yes. of some of their songs, yes. and then he recorded his vocals over it and shot it back to him, that's I it. thought my, yep. that might have been something that he did, and then, of course, they heard this guy singing on their tape and said, oh, my goodness, fly this guy up to Seattle, <laughs> yeah. right? So, I guess, you know, capturing lightning in a bottle, that bottle was kind of bigger than just Seattle, it was also all the way down to San Diego. There you go. But, um... Yeah, clearly Vetter came up and just along with Nirvana, Soundgarden, and uh, Pearl Jam just lit the whole world on Alice fire. Alice in Chains too. Alice in Chains, Same place, yeah, man, it was just magic in Seattle yes. at that time. Yep. So speaking of Alice in Chains, real quick aside on that, it's interesting that "Say Hello to Heaven." I, I mentioned earlier, it's kind of like the modern day or like a '90s grunge version of "Knocking on Heaven's Door," and so Cornell said several times that he was you know, surprised by how many uh, requests he would get from people to sing the song or to perform the song on behalf of loved ones who had passed away. And he actually on multiple occasions performed this song live and publicly dedicated it to Scott Weiland from the Stone Temple Pilots, to Lane Staley from Allison Chains, oh, cool. who also died of a heroin overdose, um, and Kurt Cobain, obviously. And so... The song became a little bit of his ongoing tribute to legends and, you know, good friends of his that had passed away. The requiem for the grunge artists that passed on, huh? Right. Wow. You got it. But uh, he has this quote that I read where kind of later toward the end of Chris's life, he had said this song had been dedicated to so many people that uh, it eventually started to get detached from the original reason that he wrote it for Andy Wood. And so he started to feel a little bit more possessive of the song that he wanted to say, hey, no, I got to remember that this was written very specifically for my friend. And he wrote it to say, hey, I'm carrying you to the other side. Like Chris Cornell's voice is accompanying you to the other side of life, right? So he, he viewed this song as very sacred to him, and it's kind of taken on that meaning to a lot of other people. So ironically, you know, this song became uh, an ode and a eulogy for many that passed on, and then the song took on even additional new meaning, meaning when Chris passed away in May of 2017. 
And that was something that shocked everybody. As soon as I heard that news, I was shocked and saddened and everything. And that's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast to pay tribute to Chris and his greatness. Um, but I immediately just felt this overwhelming sense of gratitude that I got to see him live. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I never did. I'm really disappointed by that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, a, I would say I'm a big Pearl Jam fan, big Nirvana fan, a little bit of a more casual Soundgarden fan. They were like, I think, kind of the heaviest and darkest of all the grunge. I think that's probably why I like them the best. <laughs> oh, did you like Soundgarden Loved more them. than the others? Yep. Interesting. Uh, I don't know. Pearl Jam I'd put ahead of them, but okay. I love Soundgarden, yeah. Mm. And I loved Alice in Chains, um, which, by the way, Alice in Chains' uh, unplugged album is phenomenal. Hmm. It's excellent. And which, by the way, while we're on the topic of grunge, I got to lev- bring in some levity on this. I got to invite you guys to go to YouTube and search for Family Guy. It's a clip from the cartoon Family Guy, Family Guy Grunge Singers. And it shows this grunge singers and they're watching TV and it shows these and it shows like now on a VH1 documentary, why all 90s grunge singers overuse the letter A. (laughs) (laughs) And it shows this grunge singer singing. I'm not going to ruin it for you, but go listen to it. It's absolutely hilarious because that was kind of common to all these grunge artists. If you look at all the singers, they would have that kind of, uh, you know, that Eddie Vedder did it probably more than any in that. Who is that? cheesy there was one cheesy grunge band with that i can't remember his name but he like overdid it um but anyway the grunge scene um is kind of near and dear to my heart as i mentioned because it overcame a lot of the 80s musical hangover for us and it was really sad when when chris died he was one of those icons that really helped us bridge the gap into a new era of music um chris's death uh was a tragedy and on a lot of fronts it was ruled a suicide um And he had struggled with his own forms of substance abuse as well as depression uh, for years and years and years. And it was interesting when I saw him in concert at the forum, he openly was talking about that because he was eulogizing a little bit um, Andy Wood and talking about how what a tortured soul Andy Wood was. And um, I think probably in parallel talking about himself without coming out and just saying the same. And so, yeah, Chris struggled with all of that stuff, and he ended up uh, committing suicide, and it was by hanging. There's been some controversy about that. Maybe out of respect for the family, we don't go into that, but there were some photos released of the scene, not of Chris or his body. Of course, that wasn't shown, but just there were some things shown in the bathroom of the hotel room in Detroit where they found him that led some people to start to speculate that this was not a suicide. Maybe it was some kind of foul play going on. Um, I don't think that's been conclusively proven, but certainly he was a um, a bright spot in music history and uh grateful to kind of have a chance to dig back into the grunge roots, pay tribute to Chris and the genius vocalist that he was. And I'll leave it with um, with one uh, other recommendation. One, go listen to Say Hello to Heaven. It's phenomenal. And listen to the whole album of Temple of the Dog. Um, but two, if you want to get an idea for how good Chris's voice is, he did, it's got to have like, I don't know, 12 or 15 songs. He did an acoustic album. Yeah, it's fantastic. Have you heard it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, it's easy to kind of mask a, a less than stellar voice in a rock band with tons of distorted guitars and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you want to get an appreciation for how absolutely stunning his voice was and how powerful it was, listen to this because the whole thing is just him and an acoustic guitar. 
And my goodness, the power that he had. And this was, I think, recent. I think it was, I don't know, within the last five to seven years. So it's not like he was a young guy doing this. I mean, Chris died when he was 52, I believe. Uh, so um, him having that kind of vocal prowess, um, even in his kind of later years, it's just it's stunning. It's amazing. He does this one version of Billie Jean. Have you guys heard Chris Cornell sing Billie Jean, Michael Jackson's yeah, Billie Jean? Yeah, it's great. Oh, my goodness. It is the most unique dark and heavy version of Billie Jean that you'll ever hear. And it's all just him and an acoustic guitar. Well, actually the recorded version is like with the full band, but you can get, you can go on YouTube and see him just recording it on a live show, just him and an acoustic guitar and it'll give you goosebumps. And it's Billie Jean by Michael Jackson, but you almost wouldn't recognize the song because he makes it so much his own. And, um, he's just stellar. Um, I admire the guy and my goodness, one of the greats all time in rock history singing. So anyway, that's Say Hello to Heaven by Temple of the Dog and Chris Cornell. That's fantastic. Temple of the Dog. When you first said that, I thought of Hair of the Dog, which <laughs> in its own way is oddly appropriate for eulogies for certain individuals. That's <laughs> true. The, it was, there was a band called Hair of the Dog? No. no there's oh, an al- no, there there's was a, a song called Hair yeah. of the Dog. And there's an album, Nazareth, I think, well, has an na- album, yeah, Hair of the Dog. It, it's called Hair of the Dog, but then there's a song is Ted, on there Ted called- Nugent? No, Nazareth. Nazareth. Oh, Nazareth was a band. Oh, yeah. sorry. Okay. YouTube the song and you'll understand the joke. <laughs> okay. So, so you've talked completely over my head right until the end, and now I've made a joke that went over yours. So there we go, guys. <laughs> Everything's going over everyone's head. Yeah, so guaranteed someone's going to be listening to this, and one something I said or something you said will go over their head as well. That's so, right. Welcome to our podcast. There you go. <laughs> oh, well, thanks, Dave. Please email us at dudes at rocktailhour.com if you think we got it all wrong. If you have an interesting Rocktail Hour of your own, or if you have a recommendation of a song that would be a good subject for Rocktail Hour. If you think we're lame, well, please just keep that to yourselves. Follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter, and rate us on iTunes. And until the next Rocktail Hour, rock on. Rock on.